Hello, and welcome to the Kingdom Corner Podcast, where you can propel your faith into even deeper levels as we discuss how to live the kingdom culture on earth as it is in heaven, just as Jesus prayed. Here's your host, the great Matt Geib. Good day, good day, Kingdom Corner Podcast devotees. This is the great Matt Geib coming to you on a rather cool spring day here. And we're going to have a delightful episode today with a friend of mine from, I believe he's from Delta, Colorado. He's a Texan, uh, raised as a Texas man. And uh, we're going to talk today about the ministry of teaching. This is David Hitzfelder, and he is um, a called teacher. I came across him in uh, the same uh, Facebook school, or I wouldn't call it a Facebook school, but an online school. Uh, that's, you know, promoted or done on Facebook called the King's Company Kingdom Life Coaching School. He's uh, a called teacher. He's an up-and-coming teacher. Uh, ran into him there three or four months ago, and I, uh, I've i heard him teach, and he's a, I do know that he's a, a good teacher. So we want to just talk about that topic today. Uh, I think that teaching in the church, even though there seems to be a lot of it done, I mean, I've been in the church since I was in diapers, uh, I just, I just think it it can be sadly lacking in the church. Um, what does it say, David? My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Um, yes, it does. So, what do you think? What's your thought on the, the teaching? And uh, we'll we'll get into that a little bit. Well, Matt, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, a lot of times, the teaching in the church is woefully inadequate. Um, and I think also sometimes the role of teaching gets a little confused, gets a little put on the back burner. Um, so one of the things I learned in the King's Company is that the person sitting in the office of pastor in front of the church, uh, very often that is a teaching position. And uh, yeah, it should be working toward that. And that's not to disrespect or discount Sunday school teachers um, but then a lot of times what you see in Sunday school is someone just more or less reading from a, a book and in my opinion I wouldn't even really call that teaching you're just you know verbalizing a book letting the book do the teaching okay I think that uh, I'm going to go back a little bit and just kind of touch on your past um, so you were a preacher's kid I'm also, a, I, I guess you'd call me a grand, uh, grandkid preacher's kid. So we both have some experience with that. Does your dad still teach today, or is he retired? He does not. He's or preach, or I should say. Retired. He's retired. But um, it says here in your bio, you were brought up in a Baptist church. I was brought up in a Presbyterian church that was more like a Baptist church. So I'm I'm assuming I'm assuming if if it's the Baptist, what I think of a, of as Baptist. My mom was in a Baptist church for a lot of years. That the teaching was pretty. Um, they did a pretty good fair amount of teaching, right, of the scriptures. That's correct. Um, in that background, they didn't honor the uh, fivefold ministry. Uh, what we talked about. Um, well, they had maybe we might consider a threefold ministry. Huh. Yeah. So there was there was a stronger emphasis on teaching than you know 
if they ever mentioned prophecy, it was always prophecies that were already written in Scripture. Um, right. Yeah, you never heard mention of uh, modern-day prophets or apostles or anything of that nature. Uh, but yeah, there was a strong emphasis on teaching compared to the others. So, what did you do? You view your dad, or did you view your dad as uh, more of a pastor or more of a teacher? He was very much a gifted teacher. Um, wow! Didn't call him that growing up, but yeah, you know, looking back, it's definitely what he is or was. Right. And so that's where I imagine some of the um, interest in teaching came to you. But then you also said here, as you were joining the Navy, um, right before you left for boot camp, I realized God was calling me to preach. Like, how many years ago do you th- was that? And um, what was that like when you received that call? Was it an audible voice? Was it something in your heart? I mean, it's different for all of us, I believe. Right. Uh, for me, it was... I guess a slowly growing realization in my heart. Okay. That that's what God wanted me to do, and it's what I wanted to do. So. Okay, so I'm kind of making an assumption here. Um, I know we're different, but we're, teachers do have things in common. I'm thinking to that what led up to that is you probably, you know, you probably uh, really studied the Word a lot and had uh, read the Word a lot and studied out the more than just basic scriptures. You dug deeper. W- w- am I safe to say that? Yeah. You know, like you, I was in the church you know, from the time I was in diapers. Right. Now, my dad being the outstanding teacher or expositor is a big word they use. Um, right. That he is. You know, I learned a lot from him. And, uh, yeah, just reading the scriptures for myself. I haven't done a whole lot of diving into other materials, um, other people's commentaries, uh, studies, things of that nature. Um, yeah, but I do glean a lot from studying the scripture and, you know, just seeing what's in it. Yes. In fact, that's one of the reasons, even though the churches I've been in have primarily been uh, what you call cessationist churches, not believing in the modern fivefold uh, ministry, I never could help hold that theology because I simply did not see it in Scripture. Right, right. Well, I'm I'm curious here. You brought up in the Baptist church, your dad's church. You obviously were consistent in your church attendance and consistent as a Christian to study the Scriptures. Yet you came to the conclusion that there was more to it than what you've been taught. Uh, the Baptists, you know, as we know, are cessationists for the most part. What, what is that something you came to in your own studies with the Lord that he just enlightened to you? Or uh, how, how did that come about? Really, it came about in, I've heard some of the teaching um, supporting the cessationist teaching, and I just looked at that in scripture and studied through it and I really couldn't back that up with what scripture says um, in the was it 1 Corinthians 13 and where he says that uh, uh, prophecies will cease and uh, tongues will cease 
it doesn't give a date on it when the apostles pass away. And it says when that which is perfect is come. And there's no indication in there that what's what it calls perfect is referring to the uh, uh, canonization of scripture or anything of that nature. Uh, so I can only see it as something that has not come yet, which would be the uh, return of the Lord Jesus. Right. And I think uh, another thought that comes to my mind, I think I'm only thinking of half the scripture. Uh, I think Paul said of the Bereans, they were the more noble ones, because he would teach them and they'd go search those things out. Yes. So it sounds like um, even though you were hearing the opposite, that these gifts had ceased, uh, those things weren't for today, that you, as a noble believer, uh, uh, a fellow that was a man that um, has a desire to teach, or God put that in you, you went and dug deeper, and then you found out that it wasn't necessarily so as some of these expositors were telling you, correct? That's right. And then this other part here, this is interesting. How do you think this relates here? Um, you've begun to have some prophetic dreams, and you began to seek out the prophetic a bit. Um, it says here in your bio, even just about a half a year ago, how do you think that's impacted what you're seeing as your calling? It's, it's had a profound impact on my calling. Um, you know, beforehand... Whenever I'm given a position or an opportunity to uh, teach or preach, uh, what have you, yeah, it, it's always been my desire to seek God and what He wants from that. Right. But seeing or hearing more directly from Him um, in visions, dreams, that kind of thing, it really just brings it alive to a whole new level. Um, one of the basic truths of teaching, and not just in the church, but anywhere, is if you're going to teach something, you really need to know what it is that you're teaching. You, know, you have mm, to know the right. yourself before you can teach someone else. Um, so that's going to play a huge role in that. I was thinking, too, just as you were talking there, because I'm reading more here in the bio, um, back in September... Uh, Johnny Enlow on Elijah Streams gave me a mantle to rebuild the broken down ruins. And I'm thinking that of that, uh, what happened to me from Jeremiah 1, um, when I was 16 or 17, that scripture, I, God gave me that scripture. And Ephesians 1, 17 and 18, about a spirit of wisdom and revelation. And for Jeremiah, he said he'd pull down and he'd root out and then he'd come back in and plant. And uh, that's similar to what you're talking about here. He gave you a mantle to rebuild broken down ruins, and don't you don't you think that applies to your call as a teacher? Absolutely. Uh, that I'm sure that will be uh, fun, a fundamental part of it, because um, rebuilding involves restructuring, reordering, uh, be the church. Uh, at other aspects of society and in order to do that you have to teach people how to do that how to walk in that because uh, it's right. a change of it's a change of everything the way we do things so 
you know, the old ways won't work anymore. So people are going to have to learn new ways, and that's going to have to be taught. Yes. Let's go into this. I thought this was very good. I, um, you had answered this question in one of the classes, and it, uh, you had posted this. What is the difference between a pastor and a teacher? And I love what you said, scale. A teacher can impart knowledge and understanding to thousands, but a pastor cannot effectively pastor more than perhaps a dozen. And that's really enlightening. Scope, number two. A teacher's emphasis is on the material taught, while a pastor's emphasis is of the overall well-being of the sheep. So um, can you expound on that a little bit or bring some more out on those points? Sure. Well, that goes back to what I was talking about earlier about the person in the pulpit is very often has a teaching ministry. Right. Uh, what we, what pastoring really is, is taking care of the sheep almost on an individual basis, um, you know, leading them around. And yes, there is teaching involved in that. Um, those two offices have overlap. But for, you know, I, I mean, I can broadcast a teaching. And well, I mean, think about Jesus' ministry. Um, at one time, you know, he was sitting there. We read about the feeding of the 5,000, and that's just the 5,000 men. You had women and children, and you know, it could be close to 10,000 people there that he taught during that time, acting as a teacher. But the people that he was really pastoring were the 12 disciples. And yes, probably a handful good. of other people like Mary Magdalene that were always with him. So you can only really pastor, meaning you walk with the person. And as issues come up in their life, um, you deal with them on a personal basis. Um, you know, correcting wrongs, loving on them, uh, taking care of their spiritual needs. And that's something you simply cannot do on a mass scale. Uh, if you're, especially if you go into like a mega church that has over a thousand people in it, most people have probably never met the pastor, you know, or mm. other than maybe shaking his hand, you know, so he's not pastoring them. Hopefully he's doing a good job of teaching them, um, but he's not pastoring them. And so, and the other flip side of that, your Sunday school teachers I mean, don't necessarily feel guilty if you're one of those teachers that uh, is reading from a Sunday school booklet, I feel that's more of a position that really should be geared more toward a pastor's heart. We don't give them that title, uh, but if you're caring for and looking after and providing for the needs of the people in your class, then you're walking as a pastor, even though the title that you've been given in the church is Sunday school teacher. Mm. It's a good answer. I was reading through here uh, of a uh, this this and this picture you gave uh, so well said, and I've read about this too. It sounds like you and I read some of the same kind of books about an airplane catapulting off of an aircraft carrier, and I loved how you went through all this to explain it. And uh, it, it seemed like at the end here you were saying that at least now in the church. Um, People in their various ministries, this is the way I took it, um, they haven't been catapulted yet into that place they need to be, and there may be some things holding them back. Would you, would you agree with that? 
Absolutely, and it's definitely true of me, and that's okay. why I posted it. So, and it's not that I'm not willing to go, but there are live circumstances going on that, you know, I'm, it's just not time yet. But I feel that time is real close, right? So, and I think there's a lot of big change happening right now in the church. So yes, I think there's a lot of people that are in the exact same position. Uh, yeah, you. Yeah, setting them up. He's preparing them to use that example or analogy of an aircraft carrier or uh, fighter jet taking off from an aircraft carrier. They're going through the steps. They're getting in position. You know, there's people that are doing things like um, arming the weapons on the airplane. You know, getting the bombs ready and um, pulling the firing pins and. Uh, topping off the fuel and there's all these different steps that they go through to get it ready uh, clearing the deck make sure everything's ready and uh, lashing it down and right now we're at attention it's already starting to begin the shift in the church but there's still a lot more to come you know so there's some people that have already launched but there's still other people that are uh, waiting their turn to get launched yeah, I, I would say just um, I'm, I don't consider myself a prophet. I, I do receive prophetic words. I would say that you're right in that place where you're just about, I just sense you're just about ready to be launched. I mean, you have you have taught, and I heard you teach one time in the King's Company, so I, there'll be more opportunities there, too. Um, I think it's you're right, in, right at that place where that, that's going to happen for you, I believe. I, um so, any comment about that? Well, there's not much more I can add to that. So, okay. So we went on here. I see uh, the one time you did teach uh, for us. You taught about uh, who who am I, and this other. I I saw this other post, this other video you did on uh, Matthew sixteen thirteen about identity, and uh, identity seems to be a big thing. Well, it's a big thing for all of us, but it seems to be a, a really highlighted, what would you say, theme in your life um, this last year or so. What would you say to that? Knowing what your identity is, is foundational to everything else. And if that's something that you don't have nailed down, squared away, if you don't know who you are in Christ then you're really limited into what you can do, what you can experience. Um, and you really don't have a whole uh, much that you can work with in terms of direction either. Um, so, yeah, the identity is crucial and it is foundational for everyone, especially if you hope to be a leader or in ministry of any kind. Yes, and I think um, even what, I don't know exactly what all you do where you're employed there. I know you do electrics work. Are you an electrician? Yes. And I'm sure you must get, you probably get an opportunity to train other people a little bit, right? A little bit, yeah. And I think that's, um, I think the teaching ministry, the ministry of teaching just flows over into so many areas of life, you know, when you're a teacher. You, when you're a teacher, you're always teaching, maybe, you know? At least that's what I've found. So, uh, that's right. I know there's other people that, you know, they don't like it when people are hanging over their shoulder. 
Um, and of course, it depends on what you're doing. But if you're watching to see what I'm doing while I'm working something, I'm more than happy to explain what's going on and to you know show you what's going on. Right. So, yeah, it's always been a part of my psyche, if you will. Right. So, do you have any other thoughts? I, I'm I'm thinking about getting into something else here on teaching, or do you have anything that comes to your mind that you'd like to add? Um. I have some things to talk about. Let's you know regarding the teaching. So let's get on with that. I'll let you lead it. All right. I want to go into this scripture, Second Timothy two fifteen. I think every teacher probably has this one memorized. Mm-hmm. Study to show yourself approved to God, a workman who needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And uh, from David Hitzfelder's view, uh, what does that mean to you, or how would you explain that? I mean. If you were teaching a group, what's the what's the import of that passage? Well, if you're going to be a workman in the kingdom of God, um, be it a teacher or pastor or evangelist, whatever, you first have to be grounded. You have to study the scriptures, know what they say, and it's not to say you have to know everything, but yeah, you should be very familiar with them. Um, I mean, occasionally there's times people ask me things I'm not familiar with, but part of being a good teacher is being able to answer oddball, hard questions that come your way. And so studying is how you get there. Right. The other thing about that is uh, there is a lot of deception in the world. Um, In of course, in the world in general, but also in the church. Um, a lot of strange theologies out there. And you have to study to know what is good theology uh, versus what should be kicked to the curb. So um, studying to show yourself approved is going to help you from falling into uh different heresies and errors that that, uh, some in the church have fallen into over the centuries. Wow. Okay, so let's go back to this. I just about forgot, because I wanted to ask you about this, if I can find it. You had mentioned, uh, here it is, you had mentioned um, who has been a teacher in your life. Um, Of course, you mentioned uh, the fellow we both know, Apostle Tyler Frick. But Mm -hmm. tell me, because... I mean, you can tell me what you've gathered from him or has impressed you, but I'd like to hear about your experiences coming up in the church. Uh, Mike Thompson, this other pastor, Hilterbrand, if I'm saying that right, Hilterbrand, mm-hmm. uh, even your own father and, and your background at Liberty University. Um, what kind of things stick out in your mind or heart today when you think of those experiences related to your own call to teach and your own desire to teach? Um, in a lot of ways, the experiences coming from that, I mean, that gives me something to emulate, um, you know, uh, looking at how those other people operate in the teaching ministry. Of course, yes, there's, I learn a lot from them, um, you know, especially Tyler in the last, you know, four months or so, um, I have learned a lot from him that, it wasn't even on my radar a year ago. Right. Um, and that's been really incredible. And, you know, other uh, pastors that 
I've learned from. Some of them I you know, learned it from their style, uh, the way that they teach. Right. And, you know, things that I like to try and emulate. Not that I want to become them, but, I mean, God created me to be me, not somebody right. else. Right, right. But, uh, yeah, so learning both the teaching material that they teach, the way they conduct themselves, um, the style that they teach. Um, oh, yeah, all these different things. It's, you know, impacts and helps, has helped uh, shape me and mold me. So what has been your experience? Because this is... Uh, this kind of relates to me, but um, maybe you can relate to it too. Um, I have here on the one on the on this one teaching I did just something that stands out to me is um, the need to be inspired by the Holy Spirit, as opposed to not getting so caught up in our own, I guess our own knowledge, our own cerebral way of discerning things. What would you say about that? I absolutely agree, and that ties in with what we were talking about earlier with how the my growth in the prophetic has impacted, you know, what I view my calling as. Right. You know, because the truth of the matter is, nobody out there, I mean, unless you're talking about electrical stuff, needs to learn from David Hitzfelder. They need to learn from the Father, from the Holy Spirit. Um, I hope to be a good conduit of the message. Um, you know, I hope to teach well. But absolutely, it's you know, not what I've learned just on my own reading the scriptures that you, know, you need to hear necessarily. But you know, God has things that he wants to say to people um, that he wants to teach. And right. that has to come first. That's good. That's good you view it that way. Let's see, anything else? And like I said, if you have something that comes into your mind that you, you want to touch on, we can do that. Mm-hmm. Anything that comes to your mind now? I'm kind of looking through these points here. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm a pretty succinct speaker, so <laughs> my lessons don't usually go very long. Well, that's fine. But, that's the yeah. way some of us teachers are. Right. Don't you think um, as a teacher... This is where, well, maybe I've known it for a long time, um, but you must have been coming into the realization in the last 10 years that you really begin to learn something if you can teach it, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, if you really want to learn something, try to teach it. Right. Uh, and, and there's an old uh, saying that if you're not able to explain something so that a five-year-old can understand it, you don't understand it yourself. Exactly. So, and that's a, I don't know that that's necessarily true because some people just aren't good communicators. Right. Um, from a teaching perspective, that is absolutely essential. Um, right. So breaking things down so that people can understand it. I mean, that's the core of what teaching is. Amen. Um, when you think about Jesus' teaching style, most of what he did was say, Things like the kingdom of God is like, and then he would cite an example. You know, exactly. Like a, um, guy that found a, a pearl of great price and a treasure hidden in a field. So he went and sold everything that he had. Right. Uh, bought the field, and then, you know, he had that pearl. So, um, 
yeah, breaking things down, using lots of analogies to drive point home and to make it accessible. Right. Uh, even in you know, the electrical field, electricity is not something that you can see, so a lot of people don't grasp onto that real quick. No. Um, but it's easy to turn it around and say, well, you can't visualize electricity, but it works a lot like uh, water going through pipes. And right. And explain different components and how they act and uh, things like that. So. Right. So let me ask you this, David. Do you have as a teacher, um, and you could expound on it, I'm sure you must, have a, a favorite passage or two that has stayed with you over the years in your said calling or what you think you know about that? Oh, since I was a kid, Matthew 6.35. Oh, okay. Good. I'm sorry. not Matt, There was no Matthew 6.35. <laughs> uh Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. Um, yeah, so that's something. Since I've been a kid, I've held on to, and um, not to say that everything has gone the way I expected or wanted to, but I have to say God has been faithful. Yeah, these last uh, four decades. So, right. I like uh, so much more to come. I like what I like your heart that you're bringing out here. I see a man of God that um, you're more concerned about um, the heart of God and, and showing that forth than um, attaining any kind of ministry or any kind of position. Because I think in the long run, if we seek the Lord first, just like the scripture you read, all those things will—they're going to just happen. They're going to come about, and I think. I see that in your life, you know. And, Absolutely. You know, and you're not. God is going to raise up the people that He wants to raise up. Right. And if you're trying to usurp God and elevate yourself, I don't see you getting very far. And if you do, you're not going to get any reward toward it because you've been doing things the wrong way. Right. Right. I think that it's kind of like Tyler said in, in one of his books. It relates to what we're talking about here. Is don't seek, don't keep seeking God for the miracle or for the answer to your problem, or right. don't seek Jesus for that first, but seek Jesus first, and everything else will be taken care of. That's what you're expressing here. So, Right. And, of course, God will take people that uh, seek Him for whatever reason it is that you're coming to seek Him. Um, you know, He will gladly accept you into the kingdom, but He wants to grow you in that relationship right uh, where you go beyond just seeking the healing and uh, develop that relationship with the healer so. all right so is there anything else we want to touch on before we close this out anything that's uh, stands out in your heart or mind I think I think in this short time we've covered it pretty well yep yeah. uh, just as a basis for anybody that's thinking about teaching um, a useful analogy uh, have you ever played volleyball Matt? Yes Okay. well when you're playing competitive volleyball you, you don't just hit the ball over the net every single time You know, they, the coaches will tell you always use your three hits you know, mm. uh, name them bump, set, spike 
So okay. when the ball's coming at you, it's if the opposing side did their job right, it's coming at you hard, fast, and it's probably coming somewhere where you're not at. So right. you have to dive down, get under it, and the first bump, all that's really to do is to break the momentum of it, get it up in the air, and then it's controllable and you can take care of it there. Then the next thing is, of course, set. And you're not trying to, you don't want to give it to the end of, uh, opposing team at that point. You just want to get it up in the air and you're positioning it. And then the final hit is the spike where you're, you know, a person up at the front next to the net, as it's coming down gently, they come with their fist ball up and they punch that thing and aim it, you know, into the enemy's court. So when people are coming into a church or into a sitting, who knows what they've been going through the last mm. week. The enemy has sent them towards you. And they could be struggling with all kinds of financial problems, um, emotional problems, relationship, all kinds of different things. So first thing you have to do is break that momentum, uh, soften their heart, uh, take the momentum off of it and get them not controllable, but get them in a position where they're more receptive. Mm. So that's why you like to start with uh, something lighthearted, you know, maybe a joke or a story, uh, something to encourage them, lift them up. And then you want to set, and especially in biblical teaching, worship is very important for this, uh, getting the heart right before God and susceptible and open and uh, yeah, just it's gentle but it puts you in position and then the teaching with the power comes and that's a spike they mm. can send you out to where you know where you can meet the enemy so that's just something that came across me a number of years ago uh, thought about and I thought this would be a very appropriate time to uh, teach it and discuss it but and we need to treat people like that when they're coming in. We don't know where they come from. We don't know where they're going. Uh, so we have to uh, treat them like that first. Don't try and just spike them over the net with a hard teaching right away. You know, that's going to be hard for them to receive. And it's going to be hard to uh, send them where they need to go. Yes. So first you have to break that momentum, just lighten the mood, uh, encourage them, lift them up. And then you set them, uh, get their heart in the right place, uh, lift them up. You know, start with the basics of the teaching to uh, put them in position before you give the uh, hard teaching or the teaching that's really going to motivate them and move them. So, and then once you've done that, then you send them out. Wow, that's that's an excellent analogy. I'm going to have to go back and listen and, and adopt that. I like that, um, you know to be sensitive to the people you're ministering to, you know. I mean, I get up there sometimes, or I have over the years, I'm, I'm a little better now. And us teachers are that way. We have a certain thing we want to teach. We may have all our notes there. But sometimes, because of where the people's hearts are at, sometimes we may need to, we need, may need to adjust that or change that a little bit, correct? Right, absolutely. You know, and it's more than a... There's one gentleman, preacher, old Scott preacher I knew that kind of brought me up in the faith where he, (laughs) 
I won't mention any names, but he would he had his outline of fifty sermons a year, and he would just pull 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 one out from right after another week after week. He might change it a little bit, but not very much. I think we have to be more sensitive to the people and to the spirit of God than that so not not that as a teacher, I'm sure you agree there's the other side of it, not that if we're in a group of people that need to be fed that there aren't certain things that they need to be taught, you know. We know that, right? Mm-hmm. So, right. And that's where there's overlap between pastoral ministry and teaching ministry because yes. you're looking, and that also goes down to how big of a teaching session, you know, what's the uh, scale of the teaching session? I mean, if, it, if you're talking to hundreds of people, you really can't do that. You know, you can... Uh, in general, be uplifting and encouraging to uh, get their hearts in the right position. Yeah, but you can't address individual needs. Yeah, no. but if you have a small class with a handful of people, then absolutely, it's very appropriate to uh, break, take time out, address the elephant in the room. Now, whatever that may be. So. Mm. All right. Well, just to end with this, and you can make a comment, or we can just end here. Just come upon this passage I had uh, typed out, 2 Timothy 2, 2, and the instructions you have received from me, Paul was saying, along with many witness witnesses, transmit and entrust as a deposit to reliable and faithful men who will be competent and qualified to teach others also. And I see you in this position. This is from the uh, Amplified. Uh, I like that word deposit. I see you and I and other people in the teaching ministry as called to handle these precious treasures of the Word of God, be able to break them down so people can comprehend them. And, you know, through intercession, through prayer, through our heart for them, even as we teach, deposit into them. That's what I see. So, and I see that that's what your heart is, just even as I'd known that before we were here, but I see it even more so today. So yes. any other uh, thought before we close out? Oh, that verse, that is showing a continuing succession. Um, you know, you, you have four, call it generations there. Um, he's speaking to Timothy, of course, but he says, what you've heard from me, so that's the first generation, Paul, yes. speaking to the second generation, Timothy. And then he tells them to entrust what I've, um, what you've heard from me, entrust the faithful men. So that's the third generation. Yes. So teaching is should not just be, I'm telling you, and then it ends with you. No. Uh, because, you know, sooner or later, God's going to call me back home. God's going to call you back home. And there's got to be other people left. So the legacy that we leave in how we teach and the um, messages that we teach other people, we want to teach other people to be teachers like us. Yes. Amen. Like us, but in their own way, you know. So that's what he's talking about there. And that's an absolutely vital ministry in the church, Um, not just to teach people the general truths of the gospel which of course that's important but to raise up teachers amen john in the future amen that's good 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 
Well, my brother, I'm, I'm so thankful you met me here and uh, we were able to discuss this a little bit. I, I think we'll just call it a day. And uh, you want to pray before we leave? Just pray for the group? Absolutely. And then I'll, after we're done here, I'll talk to you a little bit afterward, okay? Okay. Uh, Father God, thank you for the word that you've given us, Lord, and, uh, to teach from. And thank you for your Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us. Uh, thank you, Father, for the uh, calling that you've called each of us to, Lord. Yes, Jesus. And the many listeners of this broadcast, Lord, uh, pray that. Uh, thank you for the calling that you've called them to as well. Yes. And Father, I pray that you um, uplift every single one of them, Father. Yes, Jesus. Reveal yourself to them in a new and mighty way, Lord, and show them their calling and how they can be more effectively used where they are or where you send them, Father. Thank you for your mercy and grace, Lord, that covers all of our sins because that's one truth I know, Lord, is that none of us is worthy mm. uh, before you of our own, but you make us worthy by your blood. You give us a new identity. And, Father, we thank you for that and trust you. Yeah. So, Father, as we go forth, let these uh, truths prevail in our heart and uh, lead us according to your word and according to your Holy Spirit. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us for another great discussion on The Kingdom Corner, hosted by Matt Geib. Remember to click the subscribe button so you can be notified of each new episode as it's released. To enjoy an even deeper dive into God's word, check out Matt's new devotional book, Searching for Significance a devotional journey through the book of Ecclesiastes. Learn more and even hear from Matt himself on the devotional website, significanceacademy.com. As always, thank you for being a part of the Kingdom Corner.